0: Welcome to the Hope Collective Message podcast, where we find a confident expectation of a better tomorrow in the character and promises of God. To learn more about who we are, visit the hopeco.com. Here's today's message. I, I should have said it by memory, but please stand with me for the reading of this amazing passage in the book of Romans chapter 1, beginning at verse 18. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and his divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God. But they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think of foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desire. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of worshiping Him, the Creator Himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. Hey. This is the word of the Lord. Thank Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Nick.
1: and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. 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 So let it be. Do you know that's what your amen means? If we pray it, then may it be so, right? If it be His will, let it be so. And we need delivered. We are human. We have flesh. We give in too much. And it's destroying the life God set up for us. And it's called sin. So we're in this series, Dry Bones, where we're talking about the valley of dry bones that God said could live again. And so he speaks the word over them. God does. And he tells the prophet to speak the word over them. And the dry bones form flesh. And then he breathes into them the Holy Spirit. And if you have Jesus today, you have the Holy Spirit. And so when people look at you, they ought not see death but life. And when they come through those doors, they ought to see us getting excited about the most exciting thing in the world, whether we've had a good week or a bad week. Why? Because our circumstances don't keep us from his joy. Only fear does right? And so we come in at the end of the week to say, God, I had a tough week, but you were present. God, I had a difficult week, but you're taking me through the valley of the shadow of death. God, I had a difficult week, but I am going to be more than a conqueror on the other side. Or God, I had a great week and I just need to dance for you. So we're trying to provide rhythmic songs for you to dance to. Because boy, do we need to dance. May the church get more undignified than this. So we started this series by talking about this need to be alive. If you and, and so I wrote, I wrote this this down to follow Jesus is to be full of life. Is Jesus life? I am the way, the truth, and the what? Anyone who, who, the only way to get to God is through him. And so we get to experience that life. And so to be a follower of Jesus is to be one who exhibits life and where there are dead places in us because it's a process that God has us in, this sanctifying process, right? Then we are hopeful because he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. And so he's going to bring difficulties and trials and suffering and we go, hey, I consider that pure joy. James 1, right? So we talked about the need for people to experience his church alive in the midst of hell. Why? Because the gates of hell won't prevail. Because Jesus is building his church. Do you hear the scripture? And then we talked last week about fear. And man, if the Lord, that fear is really an issue of perspective. That we're looking too much with human eyes and we need to look with spiritual eyes. Because if you could see the spiritual realm, you would see God's already one. And so every battle is an opportunity, and so we need to stop fearing, run towards what fears you most, and see God overcome. And man, it's sapping some of the life in us, so stop fearing, and fear God, because that's the only fear that draws you close to Him. The others push you away, and so today we're talking about sin, sin, Church doesn't seem to talk about sin a lot, and I think if we talk about it, we seem to measure on the behaviors of sin versus the heart behind sin. Today I want to talk to you about the heart behind sin, because I think we talk a lot about sin, and and you know what, if you want to know what sin is, go to God's word, and God will show you what it is, and it's not to ruin your fun, it's actually for you to have a great life, but he's pointing out the sin so that you can take a journey to your heart to find out why you're doing the things you do that you don't want to do, right? But let me start by saying this, whether you're here or not, and you know Jesus, or you are here, but whether you know Jesus or not, whether you're here or not, could be an interesting conversation. <laughs> Some of you may like, feel like you're not here right now, and that's okay too. You stay where you are. It might be safer today. <laughs> but whether, whether you have a relationship with Jesus or not, you need to know this. You are not bad. And God is not mad. And that set me free, church. And when God looks at you, he chooses not to see what's wrong with you, but what's missing in you. And so if you don't have Jesus, then what he sees is you doing this on your own, and it grieves his heart because he gave you Jesus. To enhance your life. To enjoy your life. To grow. To become like him. To suffer with him. Oh. But if you have Jesus, he's putting his fingers on places where you have settled. And you've allowed sin to get root. And he's going to highlight for you what he has instead. Because he's your father. And no father wants to see their kid Making choices that destroy because sin has consequences. And so, Romans Paul tells us the wages of sin is death. And you're sitting here going, Well, I'm still alive. Yeah, but your heart might be dead and you don't know it because sin kills and destroys. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life. No, he said, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God. I got two scriptures mixed up. That's fun. It's a smash up. But the gift of God is eternal life. And we're saying, yeah, I can't wait to get there. If you know Jesus, you're here. You're living it now. Like this is eternal life now. It doesn't start when you die. That's when we get to be with him forever. And all things are made new. This is the already, but not yet. But enjoy the already. Because it's the way you live, the already, that will impact the world around you. So that you aren't the only one that goes. But others go with you. But, boy, if you, if you think fear is killing the life in us, sin is killing it more. So we've got to talk about sin. There, there is a truth, and there is a lie. And we've got to learn as Christians to believe what is true, what God says is true. And when we step outside of truth, we're stepping outside of his will. And that's sin. But there's something bigger going on. And so I want you to go, if you will, to John 5, verse 39. It's in the first part of the New Testament. It's the Gospels. If you go to verse 39, here's what he says. Nope, that's six. I thought I turned too many pages. You don't want that verse. Here's the one you want. Verse 39, you search the scriptures, talking to the Pharisees, Jesus talking. You search the scriptures, you think In them you have eternal life. These are they who bear witness of me. Yet you are not willing to come to me that you may have what? Life. You're not willing to come to me. Now, in this passage from the Gospel of John, Jesus is telling the Pharisees that the promise of life is not found in religious teaching. Even obeying God's laws will not get them what they seek. Okay, so we're going we're to gonna die to the heart of why we sin. Where does that come from? Because if you don't deal with the heart, you don't deal with the sin. And we need to deal with the sin. With the sin. So we deal with the heart. Focusing their lives on knowledge. this is the Pharisees and performance alone is an exercise in futility. This is what Paul's telling them John's telling them. Jesus is telling them through John. We see the same thing far too often in the church today. Dallas Willard I'll put it up, said this in the divine conspiracy. History has brought us to the point where the Christian message is thought to be essentially concerned only with how to deal with sin, with wrongdoing or wrong being and its effects. Life, our actual existence, is not included in what is now presented as the heart of the Christian message, or it is included only marginally. Willard goes on to describe this distorted view in the gospel as the gospel of sin management. Has your relationship with Jesus become that? You're just managing your sin so you can keep a mad God happy? He's not mad. He might be frustrated with some of us. The answer to sin is not a system of knowledge or performance or some combination of the two. Pastor Tim Keller speaks to the same issue in his book, The Reason for God. Here's what he says. We'll put this up. There is a great gulf between the understanding that God accepts us because of our efforts and the understanding that God accepts us because of what Jesus has done. (laughs) Religion operates on the principle, I obey, therefore I'm accepted by God. But the operating principle of the gospel is, I am accepted by God through what Christ has done, therefore I obey. It's totally different. It's what changes religion to a relationship with God. I do what I want, what I do because I want to please the Father, versus I'm trying to get in good standing with Him so I can make heaven and miss hell. What Willard and Keller are both saying is that it's not the obedience, but the motive that drives our actions that is most important. I gotta get that. It's not the obedience or disobedience, but the motive. And the Bible is not a rule book to keep you out of trouble with God. How many of you, we we read that and we're like, oh man, I'm, I'm in trouble. Or you read it and you're like, oh, that's so me. And that's not bad, but what is the motive behind why you're reading what you're reading? It's not a rule book to keep you out of trouble. It is the story of God's redemptive plan for his creation through his son Jesus. That's what it is. In fact, Jesus isn't only carrying out the plan. He is the plan. He's the plan. It's a person. We need to see that the entire Bible from the opening chapter of Genesis to the last verse of Revelation is about Jesus and the kingdom of God. That's what's going on. We don't want to be like the Pharisees holding on to a book, constantly scanning it for the rules to follow so we might know how to have life. If that's you, you've missed the point. If it's how you view it, you've missed the point. The Bible is not about how. It's about who. Or just how. It's about who. And it is our love for Jesus that should be the catalyst for all of our work. Now some of us just need to stay there the rest of the morning. It should be our, our love for Jesus ought to be the catalyst for all of our work. All of our husbanding, all of our wifing, mothering, fathering, working, serving. He's the one we need to hold on to. See, true Christian obedience in all areas of life, personal, work, family, community, church, flows from a heart of gratitude and understanding the grace that we receive from the one who is making all things new. And when you get that, it changes how you live and who you live for. It just does. And if it hasn't, then get to know Jesus. Because you might know the wrong Jesus. So when we say the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, then what's sin? sin? Because eternal life starts now. It's living in the will of God right now. It's knowing that though we live here and there is suffering and pain, that that suffering and pain is making us into the image of Jesus because one day we're going to be with him for eternity. But he's making all things new right now. Aren't you glad? Because you're a mess. Because I'm a mess. Right? Who's not a mess in this room on a given day? Right? Right? We need Jesus. In the beginning, human beings were made to worship and serve God and to rule over all created thing in God's name. We see that in Genesis 1:26 through 28. And Paul understands, you got to get this, Paul understands humanity's original sin. As we read Romans chapter 1, he understands humanity's sin, as you ready for this, as idolatry you're going to hear this word a lot today because I think at the core of every bit of our sin is our idolatry every bit of it and we're going to do some investigation of our own heart they exchanged the glory of the immortal God and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator Romans 1 21 through 25, Joel just read. So instead of living for God, we began to live for ourselves or for our work or for material goods, and the list goes on, and we have we reversed the original intended order God designed. We reversed it. And when we began to worship and serve created things, the, cre- the created things now rule over us. So so let me let me say this again. Because we worship creative things, created things, the created things now have dominion over us instead of the way God intended it to be where we had it over created things. That's how God set it up. And so we are subject now to our addictions. We're subject now to our desires. We're subject now to our loves and wants when they're disordered outside of Jesus. Not how God intended it. Instead of being God's ambassadors ruling over creation, creation now masters us. And many of us in this room, where does your stress come from? How God's let you down or how everything else in life has let you down? How God hasn't measured up or how everything else that you thought should go a certain way didn't measure up? How God acted towards you or how other people in your life are acting towards you? We are subject to decay and disease and disaster. And the final proof of this is death itself. And we live for our own glory by toiling in the dust, but eventually we return to the dust and the dust wins. I was just telling Natalie the other day, this is the truth. I was like, I've been thinking about death a lot lately. And she's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, like this wraps up. At some point, I'm gone. My parents are gone. And I'm just measuring what this whole thing's about. We live to make a name for ourselves, but our names are forgotten. (laughs) This is sin's impact on us. And it's disordering nature. The way God intended. The typical way Christians define sin is to say that it's breaking God's law. Okay, I think that's true. But we tend to, to stay there and live there and deal with our sin based on that definition. And it's a good sufficient definition, but the law of God includes both sins of omission and also of commission. And it includes attitudes of the heart as well as behavior. And so those wrong attitudes and motivations are usually disordered desires, forms of idolatry. So now we're going to get to the heart of it. Yet when most listeners hear us define sin as breaking God's law, especially those who don't know Jesus in the heart of God, all the emphasis in their minds falls on the negative sins of commission. Which is what I do that hurts me, that God has asked me not to do. And on on the external, which is behaviors rather than attitudes. Right? There are significant reasons then that law-breaking isn't the best way to describe or think about sin because it's just sin management if that's all you catch. I don't want to break the law. I don't want to be mad at me. I don't want to go to hell. What if we thought about sin this way? Sin isn't only doing bad things because it's part of it. It's more fundamentally mentally making good things into ultimate things. <laughs> the sin of the northwest suburbs. Sin is building your life and meaning on anything, even a very good thing, more than God. Whatever we build our life on will drive us and enslave us. Simply put, sin is primarily idolatry. You want to look for a theme through the Old Testament? Travel with that one. And see what you get. We will either worship the uncreated God or we will worship some created thing, an idol. There is no possibility of our worshiping nothing, zero. You are worshiping, we are worshiping. So what sits on the throne of your heart? Well, what gets your time? What gets your talent? What gets your treasure? What gets your energy? What gets your thoughts? What gets your attitudes? Might be the thing that sits on the throne of your heart. So we go to Romans eight one eighteen to twenty five. What Joel just read, and I want you to unpack this with me. This passage on idolatry actually is often seen as only referring to the Gentiles who were pagans, right? So those Gentiles, they're bad. Like that's not written to me. No, this is so written to us right now. So written to us, the church in Rome, the Christians today. Instead, we should recognize this passage as an analysis of what sin is and how it works. Let me explain. Verse 21 tells us that the reason we turn to idols is because we want to control our lives despite the fact that we know we owe God everything. Though they knew God, verse 21, they neither glorified God nor gave thanks to him. Verse 25 tells us the strategy for control, taking creative things and setting our hearts on them and building our lives around them. And so since we need to worship something because of how we are created, we cannot eliminate God without creating God substitutes. Even atheists have God substitutes. Even agnostics have God's substitutes and the church has God's substitutes just like the children of Israel had God's substitutes and it's why he allowed them to be turned over to their reprobate minds because they wanted to build idols instead of worship God. Worship idols instead of worship God. Whatever we worship, we will serve. For worship and service are always bound together. We are covenanted beings, so whatever we worship, we will serve. And herein lies the root of our sin. What we serve, based on what we worship. We enter into covenant service with whatever most captures our imagination and heart. It enslaves us, and it traps us, and sometimes we don't even know it. Thank God for community and people who love us in the faith to tell us you are trapped. And we go, no, no, I'm not. No, you are. No, I'm not. And I'm going to go find another community. And guess what? That community tells you you're trapped. And you go, no, I'm not. Finding a different community. And then another community, you might want to start listening And then go back to that first community and apologize. (laughs) Because they really did love you. So every human personality, community, thought, form, and culture will be based on some ultimate concern or some ultimate allegiance either to God or to some God substitute. And individually, we'll ultimately look either to God or to success or to romance or to family or to status or to popularity or to beauty or something else to make us feel personally significant and secure and to guide our choices. And that's idolatry. That's when sin's born. Because we act out of it. You will always act out of your love, wants, and desires. Always. Always. The Bible, then, does not consider idolatry to be one sin among many. No. All our failures to trust God wholly or to live rightly are at root idolatry, something we make more important than God. And so now, Holy Spirit, would you come and begin to show us where those places are because you know some of them, but you don't know all of them. And may we surrender to God in a way that says, hey, I don't know what you're coming for next, but I'm excited. Because if it's taking up place where that desire could be given to you, I want it to go to you. And God will come for you because he opposes the proud. And at the heart of sin and idolatry is pride. We'll talk about that. There's always a reason For a sin, under our sins are idolatrous desires. Martin Luther says, failure to believe God accepts us fully in Christ. Now get this, that's why at the end we're going to sing, I am your beloved. Okay? Because it starts there. It just starts there. Do you believe that if you were the only one, he would have died to redeem you? Because it's true. And so he, he adopts us into his family and he offers an invitation to those of us who aren't in the family of God because we're running from God, because we're running from Christianity, because we're running from religion. Fine, run from all that, but run to Jesus. Because man, when you find Jesus, you find who you are. And so Martin Luther says, failure to believe God accepts us fully in Christ and to look to something else for our salvation is a failure to keep the first commandment, namely, have no other gods before him. To try to earn your own salvation through works righteousness is breaking the first commandment. He's saying we cannot truly keep any of the other laws unless we keep the first law against idolatry and works righteousness. Meaning, beneath any particular sin is the sin of rejecting Christ's salvation and indulging in self salvation. I know God says this, but I'm choosing this. <sighs> what if we also define sin as building your identity, your self worth, and happiness on anything other than God? What if we also could call that sin? Instead of telling people they're sinning because they're sleeping with their girlfriend or boyfriend, which by the way, that is a sin, we probably ought to have that talk again. But to have sexual relations outside of marriage is a sin. It speaks to a heart issue. So, so let, me, let me address it by, by painting this picture Instead of telling people they're sinning because they're sleeping with their girlfriend or boyfriend, we tell them that they're sinning because they're looking to their careers and romances and relationships to save them, to give them everything they should be looking for in God. Oh, I gotta have a boyfriend. Why? I gotta have a girlfriend. Why? I gotta have a wife. Why? I gotta have a husband. Why? Because it completes me. Really? Jerry Maguire, right? I've shared this with you before. If somebody completes you, you're in trouble. It means you're half a person. And so you got another half a person coming and they're gonna, you're gonna make each other one? You miss the whole concept of one because one isn't one, one is two. It's called synergy, it's called a miracle. One slays a thousand, but two slays ten thousand. You don't want someone to complete you, you want to be whole so that you can help them become like Jesus while they're helping you become like Jesus. And by the way, you pass on all your crap to your kids, so get healthy. I've already talked about this can I just give you an example (laughs) oh shoot (laughs) I've, I've given this example before but I think you need it right now just because of our response right there right my, my wife and I were having this, con- we have lots of these kinds of conversations, like, you know, we're, we're talking about the things we're battling of our own family of origin and what's there because of how we were raised, a lot of good, and then there's some stuff, right? Or the relationships we had or the things we let in, the shows we watch, the movies we consume, the music we listen to, and it shaped us, and in some senses, poorly, right? And, and so you take those things and you actually pass them on, <laughs> and then you see your kids doing it, and you're going, oh crap, right? And we were talking about some of those things. What are some of those things that, you know, we've, and here's what's crazy is when you don't worship being a dad or worship being a mom or worship being parents, that doesn't sit at the throne of your life. Your family isn't your idol and you fail because you will. When you fail, you can say, I'm just a Christian who happens to be a dad. I'm not a dad who's a Christian. And so I can sit down, and Caden can attest to this. I've sat down and said, hey, screwed that up really bad. I've even said to my daughter, and she can attest to this second service, that when you get to therapy someday and you're discussing the father wound, I want you to know I'm there. And I will own every bit of it. Because, because, sis, my identity is not in being your dad. It's in Jesus. And I've made some good mistakes at being your dad. So when we're ready to fix them, I'm here to fix them with Jesus, right? See, such idolatry leads to drivenness and addictions and severe anxiety and obsessiveness and envy of others and resentment. And the, the list goes on, and, and these are life killers, the things that some of you, as I read that list, you just got he- heavy, right? It's, it's hard to jump for Jesus when those things are weighing you down, but you ought to because they might fall off. Okay. <laughs> right? I'm going to say it again. Such idolatry leads to drivenness and addictions and severe anxiety and obsessiveness and envy of others and resentment and comparison. I forgot that one. Nobody does that. These are life killers. And it leads to sin. Because Jesus is life, desire him. He's not just putting the plan into place, he's the plan. And so wherever your desire sits outside of him, it's idolatry, and out of idolatry will come sin. And that sin will destroy you. And so you can argue whether something's sin or not. that's fine. It's already determined. Argue all you want. The bigger issue is the heart that's arguing for it, instead of running from it, like God's asked us to do. Eve desired the fruit above God. Should we follow that example? Why don't we just go after our desires? Forget what the word of God says. If I desire it, it must be good. And the devil comes along and says, yes, it's good. God doesn't want you to know that. Okay? So just desire, 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 desire. That's great. But don't listen to what God says. Instead of, I may desire it, but that's a disordered desire. Because I need to listen to what God has said, because that's true. And I need to align my desires with his truth before I run after my desires. Because his truth might correct your desire. And then when you see it, you go, oh, I want it. God, help me desire that. Do you know you can pray that? So I'm, I'm wrapping up here. This is an issue of the heart. Sin. It's an issue of the heart. It's an issue of idolatry. Out of our idolatry, our disordered desires, comes our Sin. So when you sin, it's fruit. And so you ought to chase that fruit back to the desire it stemmed from, the idolatry you're living under. And then what do we do when we get to that place? Because we've all been there, right? Choose to do right because it's the overflow of my heart. Not because I don't want to go to hell or make God mad. But, so, so here's the thing. How many of you have said, I know, I know I should do that, but I really want to do this, right? Where you want to get to is, I really don't want to do that. I really want to do this. That's where you want to get to. This is the things that God wants me. How many have things over here that you give into, that you shouldn't give into? Because it's disordered loves, wants, and desires, right? We all have that, Right? It's, it's getting, it's getting to the place. And again, this only happens by proximity. I'm going to tell you how to do this in just a second. And then we're done. (laughs) It's saying, God, I want to detest that. I want to hate that. And I want to love this. And right now I love that. And I run from this. Would you help me be transformed from the inside out? And would you bring people in my life to walk that with me? now, Changing behavior doesn't change heart, okay? The heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. It's a heart issue, and only God can change it through the power of the Holy Spirit. So how does my heart become renewed? You have to change your thoughts, and you have to ask God to change it. That's why Romans 12, 1 says... In view of God's mercy, offer your lives as living sacrifices. This is your spiritual act of worship. Now, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Meaning what? Change the way you think. You are living in these wants, loves, and desires because your mind is distorted and messed up and believing a lie. And so you've got to change your mind. So God, help me change my mind. You know what that's called? Repentance. Repentance is to confess that I have sinned, yes, but to say, I sinned because of this, and this isn't true, and so I need this to change. So God, change what I believe about that. Now I want to give you a living illustration of how God does that. Practically, my, my son, Kate, I want you to come up here. There was, a, there was a microphone. Where did He got it. Look at that.
2: Good morning, everyone.
1: This is, this is my son. He's, He's looking, looking a little shorter today. <laughs> so, yeah. Basketball is a thing, and so I really just kind of try to do this a lot. I want him to feel really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But we had, we had this moment the other night, and, just, and I'm putting him on the spot, and uh, I asked him if I could do this. But I want you to see how God wants to work in this in your life, because I think what he did is what God, bless you, is what God's asking all of us to do, all right? And and as he shared it with us, it was just a proud moment of of seeing your relationship with Jesus. So can you just kind of tell us what what you were down in your room and you were spending time with the Lord and what you asked him?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So can I be transparent with everybody? Is that fine? (laughs) We're a transparent church. So um, yeah, um, I was standing in the shower. There it is. Actually. (laughs) Um, I don't know who else has deep thoughts in the showers. That's just me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so I'm sitting there and um, I'm thinking to myself. I'm going through the messages that I heard throughout like the weeks and like what they had in common. And um, what they had in common is the promises of God, right? And how can we um, defend the lies that we hear with the promises of God? And I'm standing there and I'm thinking. I'm like, yeah. I can, we can combat the enemy with the promises of God. And I'm like, what are the promises of God? Like, I didn't even know. So I get out of the shower, I go to my room, and I'm sitting there, and I, I just go, I open up the Bible, and I start um, looking at the promises of God. I write them down on a piece of paper. So this is like, I don't normally do this. So this, is, this, is, this was a step up for me. <laughs> okay, so I'll, I'll read out the promises to you guys. Um, that I wrote down. There's many more. God promises to protect you. God promises to strengthen you. God promises to give you rest. God promises to take care of all your needs. God promises to answer your prayers. God promises to work everything out for your good. God promises to be with you. And God promise, promises you freedom from sin. Yep. That's good.
1: Yeah. So you, you started with naming some lies, right? Tell me about that. Right.
2: So now, next night, I, I, I went to bed after that because that was already a step up for me. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I, I felt good. I felt good. I'm, I felt filled, right? So I, I thought, I'm like, well, I, yeah, I can know the promises of God, but how can I defend the lies of the enemy if I don't know the lies that are in my life? So I... Same piece of paper. I got out the same piece of paper and I, I sit down and I start, I start praying. I'm like, God, what are the lies in my life that you need to, um, that needs to be shown? So um, I sit there, I write, I write down, write transparency. I'll be transparent. I write out, I need to be liked by everyone, by everyone for things to be okay. I sit there, I think about it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's true. People pleasing. I, I mean, you dealt with that. I gave it I, they to you. Said, You're welcome. Things are passed down. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I'm sitting there. I'm like, okay, could be surface level. Maybe I need to go deeper. So I'm sitting there. I'm praying. And then I write down, I am not good enough. So as I'm sitting there, that one really hit me ever since I was little. Um, I'm sitting there and I'm I'm, I close my eyes and God puts in my heart Proverbs four
1: twenty three through twenty seven. So had you ever gone to that proverb before? No,
2: no. And I, I heard stories of God giving people um, verses to people that are like specifically what they need to hear. And I'm like, that can't be happening. That's not. That can't. I mean, it's, I'm I'm Caden. I don't know. Maybe maybe this doesn't happen to me. But that was the doubt, that was the devil, right? So I opened up the Bible and I go I go to Proverbs 4, uh, 23. I was, a, I, and uh, here, where's my phone? Can you hand me my phone? <laughs> Who uses the Bible app? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, You're good. The thing about Bible apps is it needs to load. So <laughs> maybe I need a, maybe I need a, let's see. So can, okay, I got it. I got it. It's fast. It's faster. It's faster than going to a normal Bible, I guess. Okay. Okay. So, it starts off with uh, "Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life." So that was that was what got out to me. I need to guard my heart because pe- what people say it could be damaging. So, um, and then avoid all per- perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out your straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. So that took me back. I'm sitting there, and I'm, look- I'm looking at the lie straight in the face. I am not good enough. And it took me back to what my dad told me when I was little. He, he told me, be careful for what you let people tell you in your life. Take what's good, throw away what's bad, and it just whatever I've been doing with, it just kind of it simmered down, and um, I realized the lie that was deepest in my life. And um, yeah, so The truth. Yep, truth.
1: Thank you. you <laughs> Here's your Bible. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Crazy how simple, huh? 18-year-old young man sitting in a basement bedroom saying, God, what's the lie? And God speaks. An 18-year-old kid sitting in the basement saying, God, what's the truth? And God speaks. That's what what this is about. It's not managing your behavior. It's chasing your heart. It's going after the places. Sin is the fruit. Be more concerned about your heart than what you're doing. And when you get to that thing that you can name, where you've put your love and your wants and your desires in place of God, and it's called idolatry, then ask God to name it for you. Ask God to bring clarity. Ask God to take you to scripture. And then when that happens, one of the best parts was him coming up and sitting down um, the night after on our bed and saying, I gotta tell you what happened. Man, that's community, church. That's coming to community and saying, I gotta tell you what happened and then community's gonna open that. And there's gonna be greater healing because here's why. The Bible says, confess your sins to each other. We have lost the need and the practice of confessing sin. Speak it. Stop hiding it. That's Adam and Eve. That's the garden. We've been delivered. We're free. We've been redeemed. So we confess it. And we confess it. Why? So they can pray for you and you can be healed. And so it's, hey, this is what I've been doing, but this is what God's showing me is at the core and the root of this. And they speak to that in love and they speak to that and then they pray and God begins to bring healing and accountability, not to the bad things you've done, but the good left undone. Now what are you going to do? And you're growing. Sin will kill it. Sin will kill the life that God's. And I think some of the reason we don't have life in the church is because we got too much sin in the church. Because we got too much idolatry in the church. God's not our first love. And he wants to be. That's not a judgment. That's an invitation. He wants to be. For me and for you. I've got areas. You've got areas. And so I keep coming back to this song. And you know, I was going to do a response time, but... I mean, that's relative, kind of. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't know what God wants you to do. Let me do this. You know what God wants you to do. I think we look, we've looked to the church too long, the pastor at the front of the room, to tell you what to do next. It's the Holy Spirit's job. And if you have Jesus and you ought to know his voice, and if you don't know his voice, go on that journey. That's a blast. Learn to hear his voice, just like that. but as we sing this song that I think is where it starts I am your beloved gosh the first time I heard this song um, I just wept because I just need to hear it all the time you're his beloved if you have a relationship with Jesus if you don't step into a relationship with Jesus yeah run from religion we hate religion here it's actually not welcome here but Jesus is always welcome run after him but once you're there, know who you are. That's where it starts. And then watch God begin to transfer your love, wants, and desires where they need to be because they're disordered in our life. And that's why you're sinning. And you need to stop sinning. So you need to stop worshiping things that now you serve and get free so you can love and worship Jesus. And that's the song. And so if you just need to sing that song and that's your reprieve today, Great. If you need to come forward and get on your knees and repent and say, "God, I'm sorry," then do that. And right in the, today, nobody's going to come pray for you today if you do that. We're not going to interrupt that time between you and God. You, we're big kids, right? We can come and have a moment with Jesus. So I'm not going to ask anybody to come. Up. If you want, to, I'm actually going to give the prayer warriors an opportunity to respond. But some of us need to get on our face and say, "God, I'm I've sinned." Here's what I've done and show me where I've made the other things idols. And Maybe that's what you need to do today. Maybe that's not for everybody and that's okay. But as we sing this, maybe you just need to turn in your chair and get on your knees because it's been a long time before, since you honored God that way. I don't know. But whatever God's asking you to do, That's confession. Yeah. Yeah. With no shame, bro. That's something God's, see, that's family, folks. Until the church gets there, that was hard. Do you know? Do you know what keeps us from that? And we we prayed for this in the beginning. Shame keeps us from that. Shame keeps us from the moment of saying, "Hey, this is this is it." Do you know what that takes to do what you just did? It's humility. Only God can give you that. And I believe that God responded in that moment with a healing journey for you. Yeah, I believe that. And until the church starts to repent, we won't see a revival. We've got to start owning it, and naming it. We got to stop hiding. And even if that, you don't have you don't have to do that. God led him to do that, and we honor that. You may need to do that with your family. You may need to do that with a friend. You may need, but you need to do it. Because right now, if it's in the dark, the enemy will use it, and he'll destroy you with it. So you bring it to the light. Why? Because you want to go on a journey to find out what's caused it so that your loves can be pointed to Jesus, so that you can be saved. So stand with me. Father, I pray over this room right now. God, I actually believe there are people in this room doing things they don't want to do, but they don't know why they do it. And today you want to reveal that, but it's going to start with them confessing it. It's going to start with them asking you to change the way they think. Because somehow they believe it's good and it's a lie. And so we pray truth would come. And so if that's just singing this song to rattle their soul, then may their soul be rattled. If it's coming to the front and getting on their knees before you and repenting, then may it be that. If it's kneeling at their seat to say, God, I'm here and I recognize it and I'm calling it out. If it's going beyond this, God, rip the walls of shame and guilt down in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, expose them for what they are. They're keeping us from you. And give us the courage and strength to, for once, just be honest with you. Just be honest with ourselves. And have a moment, God, that this is made for. To hear that we're your beloved and you love us. And it doesn't matter what we've done. You already know it. And you choose to love us. The one who knows us most loves us best. So, God, have your way in this space today. Holy Spirit, come
2: heard the lies that whispered to my soul, that I have
0: been forsaken and i will always be forgotten. No matter what I do, it's a
2: nightmare.
0: Then I heard a voice as an old Bring
2: now my name.
0: I am your beloved,
2: one the Father loves, and mercy has to feel it all my shame. There's no
0: This is how my heart has been defined. defined
1: beloved if you have a relationship with Jesus you're his beloved and you know and you got to be reminded and this act of confessing is regular and the act of repenting is every minute often as we pedal the bike of our relationship with Jesus repent repent change your mind change your mind walk in him so you do I feel like God wants to say one thing to us it's really really important that corrects a lie for a lot of us if you have a relationship with Jesus, meaning you believe he is who he says he is, and He he's the son of God who died and rose again and is coming one day, you believe that. You've stepped into that relationship. You've asked him to transform your life and be your leader of your life. If that's you, you are not a sinner. Stop calling yourself that. You are a saint. That sins. Sinner saved by grace you are no longer a sinner in the eyes of God, but you are his child. And you sin, and you sin because something else sits on the throne of your heart. And when you discover it, God will walk with you to heal it. And we become like Jesus. And the world will know that he is who he says he is. Amen? Amen. Let's be a confessing people. Let's make it the norm. Let's make it the norm. Love you. Have a great week.
0: Thanks for spending time with the Hope Collective. If you appreciated this message, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. You can also leave a rating or review, which will help other listeners find us online. Thanks again for joining us.